0: This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Christian Healthcare Ministries. Are you finding it increasingly challenging to find affordable healthcare? Christian Healthcare Ministries is a budget-friendly, biblical, and compassionate healthcare cost-sharing alternative that aligns with your Christian values, and it's available in all 50 states and around the world. Learn more at chministries.org/faithby
1: Some people learn from the mistakes of others. Unfortunately, some people have to be the others. Hi, I'm Rob West. Well, you certainly don't want to be one of the others, folks who have to learn things the hard way by making mistakes. Today, I'll talk to Ron Blue about some of the biggest financial mistakes you'll want to avoid. And then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, Biblical Wisdom for your financial journey. Okay, once again, financial teacher and author and my good friend Ron Blue joins us. He's a busy guy, so it's always a treat when he takes time from his day to join us. Ron, great to have you back on the program.
0: Well, as always, Rob, I look forward
1: to it. Ron, we're talking financial mistakes, so let's be honest. I mean, you're Ron Blue, the money guy. Have you really made a financial mistake?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, see, this is... Tuesday.
1: So I haven't made many yet this week, but I have made probably <laughs> some. <laughs> I love it. You're always humble. Uh, hey, you've written about these mistakes that you and I have both made. And uh, let's look at a few of them today from your book, Master Your Money A Step by Step Plan for Experiencing Financial Contentment. By the way, if you haven't read it, it's a must read. So, Ron, what's the first financial mistake on your list?
0: Well, really, the first one is to establish your goals. Um, you know, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, goals help put boundaries around your spending and and put priorities in the right order uh, around your spending. So, Judy and I used to take two goal setting weekends a year. Mm. Uh, I say used to it was because when we had the children, it was more important uh, yes. or, or more urgent than it is today, but. Uh, goals would be the first one.
1: Yeah, that's really important. I know another one you mentioned, Ron, is having what you call a consumptive lifestyle. What is that and how do we avoid it?
0: Well, a consumptive lifestyle is really one that is significantly beyond what you really need. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I was just reading this morning in my quiet time about greed. Hmm. And all of us suffer from the temptation of greed. You know, for men, maybe it's a new car. Uh, For women, perhaps it's a new dress or something. But they're not wrong. But we tend to overspend in many ways and have a consumptive lifestyle. And by consumptive, I mean you're spending it on things that are consumed. Therefore, they're not building uh, any equity other than perhaps memories. But they're not building equity in your finances. So that's Mm. a biggie.
1: Yeah, it sure is, Ron. You mentioned greed. Just one thought on that. Do you think it's possible to attempt to redeem greed in the name of the American dream?
0: Oh, yeah, I do. You know, it's. Uh, I haven't talked a lot about greed over my career, Rob, but for some reason, the last couple of years, I've become more and more aware. I think it's uh, uh, of the fact that greed really is existent. Yeah. Uh, but Tim Keller said, yeah, "I've had it every sin." Confess in my study, with the exception of greed. Oh, wow. <laughs> we, we don't yeah. tend to look at things. Uh, and the motive is something other than perhaps spiritual or family or something that's more important. So yeah. not having a budget is the way to avoid that.
1: Well, let's talk about that, because I know you say that's another one of those biggies in terms of financial mistakes. Why is that so key?
0: Well, a budget, people tend to think of it as something being constraining, and yet it's not. It's something that's freeing because it's pre-planned expenses. For example, I'm going to take a vacation. Am I saving for that vacation so that when it comes, I take the vacation, which is certainly okay, because it was in my budget. Do I have a budget for the emergencies that are going to occur, car repairs, broken dishwasher, whatever it may be? I need to have the contingencies built into my thinking also to be realistic. Yes. And very few people operate off of a budget, but I say a budget is really just pre-planned spending and it's a freeing thing to have rather than a restrictive.
1: Ron, just a few seconds left. You say giving is one of the mistakes that we make. Why so?
0: Well, people tend to think of giving as giving out of surplus rather than out of income. And uh, I think that if you don't tithe, you're not experiencing financial freedom. Wow. And I I think God wants us to tithe, not because he needs the money, but he needs your heart.
1: Well said, Ron. We're going to have to leave it there. Thanks for stopping by.
0: Well, thank you for having me, Rob.
1: That's Ron Blue. He's been our guest today. You can read a lot more in his book, Master Your Money. Your calls are next. We'll be right back.
2: We are grateful for support from Lightpoint Portfolios, which seeks out family and faith-friendly investments for 401K and 403B plans, integrating faith values and fiduciary duty. Lightpoint Portfolios offers retirement plans for a variety of organizations, such as businesses, nonprofits, and churches. And we're grateful for their sponsorship of the Faith and Finance Program. More information is available at lightpointportfolios.com. God has entrusted
3: his finances to you, and we at FaithFi have designed our FaithFi app to help you live, give, owe, and grow with that perspective. Our FaithFi app is the leading biblically-based finance app. You can manage your money, get top biblical financial resources, and interact with a community of like-minded believers where you can ask questions, get answers, and share what you're learning. Go to faithfi.com and click the word app to get started.
1: Welcome back to Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. All right, it's time to turn our attention to your calls and questions today. We'd love to hear from you on anything financial. Perhaps there's something you've been wrestling with financially speaking. We'd love to help you apply the wisdom from God's Word to your financial decisions and choices. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. That's eight 800- hundred. 525 or perhaps you have a testimony, something you'd like to share with us. Maybe you've seen the evidence of uh, God's financial principles bear fruit in your financial life, and you'd like to be an encouragement to uh, those listening to the program today. We'd welcome those calls as well. Again, eight hundred five two five seven thousand. Hey, uh, here as we start out a new month, still in the first week of the month, uh, let me encourage you, if you're a part of the FaithFi family and you listen to this program regularly, we would love to hear from you as a financial supporter of the ministry. You play a vital role in keeping us on the air and helping us to do the work that we do every day on the broadcast, through our app, with our coaches, on our website at faithfi.com. So if you'd consider a gift, we'd certainly be grateful. Uh, you can head over to our website, again, faithfi.com. That's f Faith, i com. Uh, you can click on the Give button, and that will take you to a page where uh, you'll have three different ways to give. First, you can uh, make a gift online securely, and we'd love for you to do that. Uh, you can also find our mailing address if you'd like to send something through the mail, or you can find our toll-free number if you'd like to give us a call on our team, would be happy to assist you. Again, faithfi.com, and just click Give. Also, we'll be taking your emails today uh, as well. You can always send an email in to us at askrob at faithfi.com. Uh, we'll be looking forward to grabbing a few of those a little later in the broadcast. All right, let's head to our first caller today. We're going to begin in Grand Rapids. Alvin, you'll be our first caller on the broadcast. Go right ahead. Yeah, um,
4: I wanted to know, I've been trying to get um, online banking, uh, trying to, and I try to do it over my phone, but I have no success. I wanted to know if you have a phone number for, for online banking. Uh,
1: yeah, it really just depends on what you're looking for, Alvin. So you're wanting to establish online banking. Is that right?
4: Right. Well, uh, just make a, just a savings account.
1: Okay. And I Dave, you it, are
4: I quite, uh, I hear it's quite, it, it's the, the, uh, interest the, uh, 'cause whatever they pay is a lot more than my my uh
1: credit union. Yes, sir. Yeah. So uh, online banks do have the benefit of not having the brick and mortar operations. And because of that, uh, they can pass those savings along by not paying for those buildings and a lot of additional staff and keeping the drive-through functional. Uh, They can take uh, those funds and redirect them to you in the form of higher interest rates on their savings and other bank products like CDs, as well as what I would look for is a bank that doesn't have any fees. So uh, you can open up a fee-free checking or savings account, uh, what I like to use online banks for is for savings. So perhaps you might want to have a brick-and-mortar uh, bank where you have a relationship for your checking, where you can actually walk in and see someone and get a bank check or go through a drive through if, if folks do that anymore, but then you open an online savings account and link it electronically to your checking account, which means that the money is not there where it can be spent, but it's only a day or two away from an ACH transfer if you need it. And uh, what I would look at is perhaps Marcus and Marcus.com. You could also look at Capital One 360, or you could look at Ally Bank, any one of those three uh, right now, they're offering, I think the latest is around three and three quarters percent for their online savings that these uh, internet um, online banks uh, with FDIC insurance. So it's still backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government, and there won't be any fees to set them up. So I think those could be great options for you, Ally, Marcus, M A R C U S, and Capital One 360. You can also head to, and I'll give you one more website, bankrate.com. And you could just search by the banks that have uh, the very best uh, savings rates right now. And they also have a rating system at Bankrate.com. So you can see, is it a four-star rated bank or a five-star? And as long as there's FDIC insurance and it's a strongly rated bank, I would be comfortable with you moving forward with any of those. Does that make sense, Alvin? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I still want to know if you have a phone number. (laughs) Okay. Which one were you looking to connect with?
4: I would try uh oh um, the uh last one you gave. Uh Ally Bank. Of, yeah, or bank. Ally Bank, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh so you could connect with it. My team just pulled up the number. It's uh, if you've got a pin handy, eight seven seven two four seven two five five nine. I hope that helps you, and thanks for calling the program today. Uh, To Pennsylvania, hi, Faye, how can I help you?
5: Uh, Thank you for taking my phone um, call. I'm good, thank you. Um, I'm just asking, on the savings and the emergency um, funds, how much should we have for
1: each? Yeah. So let's start with that emergency fund. I like to put money in buckets and have that bucket be defined by how liquid do I need those funds, meaning how accessible do they need to be and what is the time horizon. So by definition, an emergency fund, Faye, would be that money that you need for the unexpected, which means we don't know when we're going to need it. So it needs to be readily available, like immediately. And because of that, I would uh, keep that in a liquid savings account. And as As I mentioned to Alvin, I'd probably put that in one of the online FDIC-insured banks, so at least you're earning some interest. My recommendation is to have three to six months living expenses in that emergency fund. So if you total up in your budget everything it takes for you to cover all of your bills, both fixed and discretionary, the things you get a bill for and the things you don't, in a month's time, and then multiply by that by three or uh, as much as six, that would be the amount that I'd like for you to have in liquid savings. Then beyond that, we would probably want to define what other near term, and and I'm going to say in the next three years, savings goals you have. Replacing an automobile with as little debt as possible, uh, saving for a down payment on a house, you've got a child going off to college. I mean, those would be the types of savings goals that you might have or a vacation you've been planning. And then start building that in your budget and maybe save that into a separate online savings account specifically for that purpose, you'll need to define that. And I'd look at that as you do your goal setting process. Beyond that, you're probably thinking about something like retirement. And that's where you'd want to define how much you need as a retirement savings goal. You could use a free online calculator, or you could get the advice of a certified kingdom advisor and actually do some really in-depth retirement planning. But in either case, you'll want to come up with an ultimate goal that's updated throughout the years, but that tells you how much you need to be putting aside every month. Does that make sense?
5: It does. The other thing I wanted to ask you on that same lines is, so I do have money in the savings and I have money set aside. How much do we go with giving? Because I help a lot of people and not so much giving yeah. them money, but I, I buy food for them. I make oh, yeah. meals for them. Uh, by I love that. firewood for yeah. them. Let's you do know? this.
1: I've got to take a quick break, but if you hold the line, I would love to tackle that question just around the corner. We're talking to Fay in Pennsylvania, and perhaps your question, 800-525-7000. We'll be right back.
2: As the leading advocate for the Christian financial industry, Kingdom Advisors serves the public by promoting the integration of a biblical worldview across every aspect of the financial services industry. And we serve a growing network of thousands of Christian financial professionals, equipping and empowering them to carry biblical financial wisdom to their clients, peers, and community. For more information, visit KingdomAdvisors.com. That's KingdomAdvisors.com. We are grateful for support from One Ascent Investments on the Faith and Finance Program. They manage a comprehensive suite of value-based investment strategies designed to help Christian investors live aligned with what they value most. One Ascent believes that if your values inspire the way you live, they should also inspire the way you invest. This can be a unique form of worship. More information is available at investments.oneascent.com. That web address is investments.oneascent.com. Welcome back to
1: Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. Just before the break, we were talking to Faye in Pennsylvania. And uh, Faye, you were asking about your emergency fund, but then uh, we had to take a break. You wanted to continue the conversation around a question related to your giving. So share that with us.
5: Yes, um, I help a lot of people. I cook for them meals or like I've been helping a lady just had a baby and her husband's out. So with firewood or electric bill, things like that. Now, yeah. my true belief is that no matter how much I give, God always gives back to me. And mm. it's been proven over and over. But somebody said, well, maybe you should think about how much you give. And I've never thought that. I've always just relied on God and knew that he would provide.
2: Yes,
1: yeah. Well, oh, first of all, I, I love your generous heart. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think following the leading of the Lord in your in your generosity is uh, makes a lot of sense. And ultimately, it's between you and the Lord, and I would never want to get in the way of you being totally dependent upon Him. To be wise as a steward and step back and say, okay, I want to be a, a bit more planned in my giving. I want to go ahead and order my finances in such a way that I have a spending plan and I allocate as much as I want toward giving but I understand how I'm going to meet my other obligations so I can stay current on my rent or mortgage and keep food on my table and you know gas in the car and you know that type of thing I mean I think that makes some sense but at the same time we don't want to be so rigid about our budget that we miss what God may be leading us to do even if it's a little bit scary does that make sense
5: Yes, and that's really what I have been doing uh, for a long time, Um, and it just has, God has always been very gracious. Even when I had nothing, I still gave, and uh, you just, I could tell you story after story after story of when he replenished, replenished, replenished. So, and since I was very obedient in that, at that since. Maybe about five years now, or maybe even longer. I've never been in that situation, and and uh, God just keeps giving. So, and yes. and my feeling is you can't outgive Him.
1: Yes. I think that's absolutely right, and, and uh, I would absolutely affirm what you're saying there, Faye. Well, thank you for sharing that testimony and perhaps challenging us to be uh, willing to trust God for our daily bread and uh, allow Him to lead where we should go in our giving. We appreciate you being a part of the program. Back to the phones to Idaho. Hey, Becky, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Well, Rob, um, thank you for taking my call. A couple yes, of ma'am. years ago, my sister,
3: who is a number of years younger than me, moved into my house. When she did, we both contributed money to adding on so that she could have her own space. I don't have a problem with it if I die first, passing it on to her through my will, but she, how do I, what's the best way to pass on to her heirs if she dies first? since it's really my estate,
0: not hers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Very good. So I think your best option is going to be a trust that would basically, you'd retitle the house in the name of the trust And then it would, uh, you'd be able to direct how this particular asset inside the trust is to be handled uh, at your death. And uh, you could, you know, direct her portion to her heirs. It would pass outside of probate and then they would receive it with a a stepped up basis. Or you could uh, determine that it's to be sold and then the the proceeds of the cash are to be sold. I think that's going to be the best option here. Um, And I would talk to a godly estate planning attorney. Do you have somebody, Becky, that you've used to draft a will or something like that?
3: Actually, we were just about to update our wills next in about a week or two. So we were going to talk to someone.
1: Very good. Yeah. So I would just mention this to that estate planning attorney and let he or she know what you're trying to accomplish. And what will likely happen is they'll establish a, a living trust. The house would be retitled in the name of the trust. And you would make sure that uh, you express your wishes about how the sale, uh, the proceeds of the sale of this home are to be handled. And the uh, the trustee would take care of uh, distributing it accordingly uh, based on your desire. So I think that's probably going to be the most efficient way to do it, and uh, all that can be spelled out.
3: Okay, thank you.
1: Okay, very good, Becky. Thanks for calling today. God bless you. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. Let's head to Illinois. Mary, you're next on the program. Go ahead.
3: Hi, uh, my parents are 85 and 86, and my dad's been paying on a life insurance policy. It just a letter came today. It went up to 128 dollars a month, and it's uh, the value is now at 30 thousand. When he started this, it was I don't know 300 thousand. So every year, it's scheduled to the premium goes up and the value goes down. Yeah. I feel like he should stop paying on it, but yeah. he feels like if something happens to him, it'll replenish what my mother. Would ha- have had from his Social Security, and um, if he were younger, I would say put that 128 in your 403b or something. Yeah, but I don't know what to tell him with this.
1: Yeah, I think the the key is, you know, let's play this out 5 years and give him a picture of where this is headed and what it will ultimately cost him in exchange for the benefit, the death benefit that would be received if the Lord Tarries and, you know, the Lord's not done with him here quite yet, not calling him home, uh how much is he going to spend and for what benefit coming back? Um uh, because it it is becoming more counterproductive, it seems like, you know, every year. Um uh, the question here is you know, is the life insurance really necessary at this point? I mean, if something were to happen to him, uh, if she doesn't qualify for social security benefits on her own work record, then obviously she could get a a spousal benefit. Um, and you know, that would be obviously a a base of income, but do you have a sense if the Lord were to call him home, uh, what that would do for her in terms of, would she have enough, uh, to meet her obligations?
3: I feel like she would have enough. I. I'm not yeah. sure, um she would have half of his benefit. her benefit is not that much, yeah, and that's his concern. um they're renting a mobile home from us that we bought about five years ago, so that'll be paid off in a couple years i don't I told him maybe just consider putting the one twenty eight to pay that off sooner,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, that I could make some out 20 sense.
3: 20 years, but he's not going to live 20 years, you
1: know? <laughs> right, right. Well, I think the key is to just continue that conversation with real data and help him just understand, based on the trajectory he's on, how much he's going to be putting into this policy in exchange for the benefit that he has and what could be done to shore up their emergency reserves, which they could access during his life or after if needed, as opposed to continuing to fund this policy that has diminishing returns. And so I realize that's not an easy conversation, but I think you just need to approach it in love and with a lot of data just to say, Dad, I just don't think this makes sense anymore. And we'll certainly pray for you as you have that conversation. Thanks for your call, Mary. Well, once again, our time went by way too fast. But tune in next time, and we'll do it all over again. Before we go, I'd like to thank our incredible production team, Amy, Devin, Jim, Robert, Brandy, Rob, and Ben. Couldn't do it without them. Have a great rest of your day, and I'll see you again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.